Hallelujah. Please, I want to encourage you to write. I, 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 I wonder how <coughs> someone will come to church and then you come without the writing part. You come without the Bible and you come without the writing part. I really know how you want to receive. It shows that number one, you're not ready to receive. Because I'm very sure that you don't go to your classroom without a book, a pen to write, and to take note. And the church is God's institution, is God's own school for our training that will grow in the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So if you will not take what is of greater value, let me tell you, the knowledge you receive in classroom, to a greater extent, will pass away. What will be of much more value in your life are things that are spiritual. The things that are spiritual are eternal, but the things that they teach us in classrooms are things that comes and then they goes with time. Hallelujah. What will stand the test of time are the things to which God revealed to us in his word. So I want you to take the things of God with much more value than even the things you learn in your classroom because this is what can save your life. This is what has saved your life and this is what is going to help you to grow. Hallelujah. So please take this with every sense of seriousness and take notes. And not only take notes, some of us are very good at taking notes. And the moment we leave, we don't even go through the notes again. So I trust that we will be serious. Serious students of God's word in Jesus' name. Now the last Sunday we focus on the nature and the character of God you know, blessings in giving and receiving part two. So we focused last week on the nature and the character of God. And we saw that God's character is what? What did we see was God's character? Generosity. Hallelujah. We established a foundation that God's character is what? Is generosity. James chapter one verse five was a text we saw, we, we, we used. Give me James one verse five quickly. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all what? Liberally. Hallelujah. And he without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we said here that God is a giving God. God by nature is a giving God, and he gives liberally. That means he gives unconditionally. He gives freely without looking for any condition in your life before he gives you. And we see the practicality of his giving in the person of Christ Jesus who came and died for all men. For God so loved the entire world that he gave. Hallelujah. He gave freely to all men equally. That is why the same grace that saved your pastor is the same grace that saved any other person. Amen. The same Jesus that died for me is the same Jesus that died for everybody. Same grace, same faith, same Holy Ghost. There's no difference. So he gives one liberally and without reproach. Reproach here means fault fighting. He doesn't look for fault in you before he gives. That is why while we were yet sinners, he gave us Jesus. Hallelujah. He didn't look at our condition. He didn't look at our, our status. While we were yet his enemies, he gave us Christ. And then it will be given him. Hallelujah. And then in verse 17, we also saw that God's character of generosity does not change. Give me verse 17. We saw that God does not change in his character. 
Because if God would change, it simply means that he's not God. Amen. So God cannot change in any way possible. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. That is from God. And it comes from the Father of lights. Comes from the source of light. Comes from the source of illumination. Comes from the source of it all. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And we saw here that this variation has to do with a change of mind, a change of attitude, a change of condition. This is the character of God. He doesn't change in his character of generosity. We therefore, you know, said also that we have the nature of God in us. By virtue of our being born again, we receive that same nature of God in us. Which qualifies us to demonstrate the same trait that is in God. Hallelujah. So we have the nature of God in us. Therefore, we must conduct ourselves according to our nature, which is what? Which is generosity. Hallelujah. So today we're going to look at the nature of the Christian giving. Because we have the nature of God in us. So we're going to look at how we should give. Amen? What it means for us to give. What, what, is, what, what does it mean to be generous as a Christian? The nature of Christian giving. Our reasons for giving and how we give must reflect our nature as the children of God, which is generosity. So our example for giving is God. Not only that we have God as the example, he gave us Jesus freely, generously. We have the capacity in us to give generously. Hallelujah. We have the nature, that same nature of God. We have the seed of God in us. We have the ability of God in us to give generously. So what is generosity? What does it mean to be generous? What is generosity? Give me 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2. Let us try to see what this word generosity is in the scripture. Now the Bible is not a dictionary. Amen. The Bible is not an English dictionary for words. So when you come to look for meaning of words... Don't come to the Bible to look for meaning of words. Because word in the Bible will mean a different thing in the English dictionary. Hallelujah. So we're going to try to, we're going to attempt to understand what generosity is. Hallelujah. Now, verse 2 says, For I am jealous of you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to the husband to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse 3. But I fear lest some, someone as the serpent deceive Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. Hallelujah. The simplicity that is in Christ. Now that word simplicity is the word generosity. Hallelujah. Now in the in the original text, let, let me just read verse 4. Yes, underline the word simplicity, verse 4. For if he who comes, for he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well be put, you may well put up with it. Hallelujah. Now go back to verse 3. That word simplicity, the word simplicity in verse 3 here is translated from the Greek word hapolest. Haplotes, brother. H-A-P-L-O-T-S. Haplotes. H-A-P-L-O-T-E-S. Which means to give without holding back. Hallelujah. 
I said that was simplicity means what? Hapless, right? Which means to give without holding back. It means to give without what? Without holding back. We're trying to understand the word generosity. This word can also be translated in the English as what? Bountifulness. Hapoletes, yes? It can also be translated as bountifulness. Liberality. Sincerity. Of course, we saw simplicity. Without the simulation of self-seeking, that is a giving that is not attached to a self, you know, gratification, self-seeking. Or singleness, simplicity, singleness. Hallelujah. Now, the example of this word used in the scriptures, we see in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Give me Romans chapter 8, verse 12. If you read in the Greek Bible, you see that it's the same word here. Romans chapter 8, chapter 12, rather, verse 8. Quickly. Romans 12, verse 8. It says, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality. Now, that's the word there. Haplotes, liberality. He who leads with diligence, he will show mercy with cheerfulness. Liberality is a word, haplotes, that was used in the scriptures here. That is, he will give with what? With generosity. He will give with what? Simplicity. He will give with what? With single-mindedness. Hallelujah. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. Another, way, another place in the Bible where that word is used is in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in what? In the simplicity, that is in the generosity, in the simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. Hallelujah. Another place, Rome, uh, chapter 8 of that same Second Corinthians, verse 2. Chapter 8, verse 2. Yes. It says that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded in the rich, riches of what? Of their liberality. Liberality is a word. Simplicity, hapolites, as used in the text there. Hallelujah. Chapter 9, verse 11. Same Second Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 11. says, while you are enriching everything for all what? Liberality. Another way it was used here in the text. Liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Verse 13 of that same chapter. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. And your liberal, the word there is liberal sharing. Liberal sharing with them and all men. Liberal sharing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Born servant, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in what? In the sincerity, in the generosity, in the singleness of heart, as to Christ. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Colossians 3, 22. This is the last one. Colossians 3, 22. Colossians 3, 22, yes. It says, Born servant, obeying all things, your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasures, but with what? With the generosity of heart, with the sincerity of heart, fear, fearing God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the text we read earlier on. 
going to be a text that we'll be focusing on some few minutes. And I pray that God will help us to really understand what is here. Amen. Particularly verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9 is a very important part of scripture that has been used in offering, in offering when they want to give offering. Let's read that part. Verse 6. It says, But this I say, he who what? Who sows sparingly. Amen. Will also reap what? Sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also what? Reap bountifully. And this in our normal understanding is, is meant, or what we really mean, or what we really mean, right, is that if you saw plenty, what will happen? You reap plenty. Hallelujah. So if you don't, if you saw small, if you give small, right, the result you have is what? It's a small result. That is in our giving. But what does it truly say? Now, let's go back from verse 1 to 5, and then we'll, we'll come to this place. We'll explain what that means. It says, now concerning the minister, the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal was set up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find your unrepaired, prepared rather, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident, confident boasting. Hallelujah. Now for us to properly understand what is happening here, let's read again, let's read in NLT. In NLT, yes. Verse 1 to 4 in NLT. He says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help and have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that, in you, that, that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was of enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonians believers to, be, to begin giving. But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready as I have been telling them and that your money is collected. I don't want to be wrong in my person about you, verse 4. We will be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonians believers came with me and found that you weren't ready, after all, I had told them. Verse 5. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promise is ready. But I want it to be willing to be a willing gift, not one with what? Given with grudgingly. Hallelujah. So the context here is that there has been an agreement. This church has made a promise at the beginning of the year. Amen. That they're going to make collections to support the churches. And then Paul is making them a reminder, right? That they should give, they should prepare their giving. And he wants them to be sure that they are ready for the giving. And he made mention in verse 5, he says, a gift, a willing gift, not one with, not one giving what grudgingly. So we see here Paul encourage them to prepare their giving so as to give generously. Hallelujah. So verse 1 of verse 5 is just to give us a background of what the communication is here. He's encouraging them to do what? To prepare their giving. And as a church here, you know, we always want you to prepare before you give. Hallelujah. 
which means that giving must be deliberate, giving must be intentional, giving must be prearranged. You don't just give unpreparedly, right? You give intentionally, you give deliberately. Hallelujah. Now, verse 6. Now, verse 6. In the end, uh, New King James Version, please. The verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly. Now, Paul is now going into teaching, right? But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this verse 6 is not talking about quantity of giving. As we always will assume. Hallelujah. It's not talking about what the quantity of giving as we will always assume. So the word sparingly, what does the word sparingly mean? What does the word sparingly mean? It is translated from the Greek word phidomenos, meaning to refuse to do. Amen? Refuse to do or to abstain. Let me spell the word for you. It's not in my tribe. It's in Greek. P-H-E, it's a long word, P-H-E-I-D-O-M-A-N-E-O-U-S. Meaning, refuse to do or to abstain from doing something. And we will see this in, in Romans. It's, it's, also in, it's, 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 it's written in the Bible in Romans chapter 3, verse 32. Romans 8, 32 rather. Give me Romans 8, 32. Let's see where the same word is used in Romans 8, 32. Now, the reason why we have to go into this word, word meaning is so that we can understand the scriptures properly. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible was not written in English. Amen. So, if you come with your knowledge of English, it becomes difficult to comprehend the scriptures. Hallelujah. So, we must know what it meant when it was written. The Bible will never mean today what it never meant when the writer wrote it. Amen. So, the context and the intention of the writer is still valid to today. Hallelujah. So time and season and situations have not changed the meaning of scriptures. Generations and civilization have not changed the meaning of scriptures. That is why we need to go back to the root world to understand what it means so we can properly interpret. Hallelujah. Okay, where is this word used in scriptures? Romans 8.32 He who did not spare, so the word spare here is what it means to abstain or what? Refuse to do. Same word, sparingly. He who did not spare. He who did not abstain from giving. Hallelujah. So that sparingly cannot mean he who gives small. Right? It cannot refer to quantity. Amen? It's, it, it, it will refer to the state of heart. Right? He who did not spare his son. He didn't withhold his son. He did not abstain from giving his son. But delivered him for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. And I believe in my heart that this is a scripture for somebody here. That God has given you all things. Hallelujah. And all that you ever need is provided in Christ. Hallelujah. And I decree that everything that, that, that God has, 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 has ordained to come into your life, you receive it in the name of Jesus. Now, another place where this word is used is in Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Acts 20, 29. We're trying to look at the meaning of sparingly. How it is used in scriptures. For I know this, that after my departure, yes, Acts 20, 29. 
Yes, good. That after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not what? Sparing the flock. Amen? This is where it is also you sparing the flock. Hallelujah. So sowing sparingly will mean not to give at all or meaning selfishness or to be stingy in giving. Hallelujah. So here he's not talking about the quantity of giving, but he's talking about what the state of heart of the giver. Hallelujah. Do you give stingingly? Please, don't give me English dictionary because that's not what it means. Hallelujah. Amen. I would rather give me Greek meaning of that word to save me a lot, not English dictionary. Hallelujah. The English is a very, very poor language. Amen. It, it borrows words from different languages to make up the language. I think about 300 years ago, we don't, have the, we, did, we don't have the English language as a language, right? If I'm wrong, 300, 400 years. Right? So it means it's, 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 it's a, it's, it's, the language is still a new language. Hallelujah. I'm giving you free information. So sowing sparingly will mean not to give at all or meaning to give what? Selfishly or stingily. Amen. So what does the word bountifully mean? The word bountifully is also translated from the Greek word elogia. We're going to see how these words will be used to explain that verse. Elogia, elogia, E-U-L-O-G-I-A. Same word for elogy. In English, you know what it means to give an elogy? Right? Elogia, yeah? Meaning worthy of praise. Bountifully means worthy of praise. Fine speaking. That is elegance of language, commendation, elogy. That is reverentially, adoration. That is what the, the word bountifully means. And we'll see it's used also in Ephesians 1 verse 3. You can just write it where this word is used. Romans chapter 15 verse 29. Hallelujah. So the verse 6 cannot be meaning sowing plenty money, meaning quantity for a return of plenty money. Hallelujah. So it cannot mean that you sow plenty so that you will receive plenty. It simply means the condition, the heart condition of the person that gives. Now let's continue. Verse 7. Verse 7 is not also talking about the quantity as we all see. It's the same continuation of communication. But rather the condition of the heart. The word shuffle there. Verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 7 of uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Says, so let each one give as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Amen. The word cheerful day doesn't mean God, God loves someone that gives plenty. That is not what it means. God loves someone that gives with the attitude of cheerfulness. So either it is small or it is big, the most important thing is the attitude and the heart by which you give. Hallelujah. So let's read verse 6 and verse 7 together. With this understanding of the explanation of the words we've said. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart. Not grudgingly. Amen. Not grudgingly. With the attitude of grudge. Not forcefully. Or of necessity. 
For God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is what cheerful there translated from another Greek word hilaros, meaning willingly, cheerful. You know, same word for hilarious, a hilarious heart. Hallelujah. So God is interested in a happy or a joyful giver. You don't just give anyhow, but with a joyful and a glad heart. Hallelujah. A joyful and what? And a glad heart. Now verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And I want to tell you that the word abound, and ab ab abound here is not talking about money. Amen? It says all grace. Grace, what is grace? Grace, grace means carries, right? Give something that is given is free. It doesn't mean money. God is able to make all grace abound. It's not money abounding to the giver, but the ability that the believer will have to give. But the ability in the believer to give graciously. Hallelujah. The ability in the believer to do what? To give graciously. This is very important. Always having sufficiency in all things. In the original text, the word things there is, in, is, is, is not in the original text. That is why in, if you haven't had copy Bible, you see that it's in Italic in the New King James, which means that the translators put things there to just help in making it have sense. Right? And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So what will abound in you is not money because you've given. Remember we're reading from previous verses. What will abound in you is the ability to give graciously. Hallelujah. The heart to give graciously. Always having all sufficiency in all things. Sufficiency in all things is talking about the all things we've, talk, we've been talking about. The cheerful heart. Amen. The cheerfulness of heart. The generosity. Having all sufficiency in all things. All sufficiency means sufficient to give without grudges and unconditionally maintaining the narrative of what we see in that scripture. So this sufficiency is not talking about that you have plenty money because you've given. What it's meaning is that God has supplied you or God is able to make you have the ability in you to give what? Graciously. To give bountifully, without grudge, with a cheerful heart. Unconditionally. Hallelujah. And the verse says, may have an abundance for every good works. Abundance. May have an abundance. Abundance is still speaking about the ability to give graciously and cheerfully for what? For every good work. The grace is to give what? Willingly. Cheerfully. And bountifully. Hallelujah. Then we see verse 9. He went on to communicate in verse 9. He says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So the he here is talking about a believer. He's talking about a righteous man. He's talking about a giver. Someone that gives. He has, dis he has dispersed abroad. 
It's a quotation from Isaiah, Psalms 112, verse 9. Psalms 102, 112, rather, verse 9. It's referring to a righteous man who was given to the poor. Who does he give to? To the poor. Hallelujah. Given to a man that cannot give him back. The poor. Amen? Given to the poor. His righteousness. We see the result of the giving. Is what? Is it money? But what? But righteousness. That endures forever. Not money. Money doesn't endure forever. Hallelujah. Such does not last forever. But it results to something that is eternal. I trust God that God is opening our eyes to understand the language and the way and the mode of communication here. Verse 10 is another quotation in the Bible. Verse 10. The wicked... No, no, no. 2 Corinthians 9. Now, may he who supplies to the sower and bread, so, uh, supply seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. He here means God, right? Who supply the grace to give. Amen? Multiply seed for sowing is referring to all the sufficiency to give graciously. The seed here is talking about the grace to give. Hallelujah. The ability to do what? To give. The ability in the believer to do what? To give. 11. Verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for what? For liberality. What is the enriching here? It's talking about what? The ability in the believer to do what? To give liberally. Which causes what? thanksgiving through us to God. So what is the result of your giving? When you give, what will happen? It will result to what? Thanksgiving, not to money coming back to you. Amen? So what will happen? It will cause you to what? It will, it will result to what? Thanksgiving to God. Through us to God. Thanksgiving through us to God. When you give, they receive and they thank God because you give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know that I'm distorting many theologies. Hallelujah. I know that I'm shaking many tables in our hearts. An unconventional understanding we've always have. It is your duty to go back and study. It is your responsibility to go and check if these things are true. Hallelujah. So that we will not always come to scriptures because we have a misconceived ideology about the scripture then we take, we run with it. No matter how old a lie is, it's still a lie. No matter who speaks it, even no matter the genuineness of the heart that speaks the lie, it is still a word, it is still a lie. Hallelujah. So you must be a student of the word to know the truth for yourself if these things are true. Hallelujah. And this church will not be afraid of telling you the truth. Amen. We will not be afraid to tell you the truth of God's word. Because our intention is that you'll be built up in the truth. That your foundation will be grounded in the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. So verse 12 to 15 shows the effect of this liberal giving. Amen. It shows the effect of this liberal giving. Give me verse 12. 
says, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. So what you get in return is not money in your pocket. Because you see, we say that this giving is not a transactional giving. Hallelujah. It's a what? It's a gracious giving. God gave us not expecting anything from us. Hallelujah. So our giving must be a liberal giving, a bountiful giving that is not an expectation of a return of money in our pockets. The moment, the, the reason you are giving is to get, that's covetousness. Hallelujah. Now I will show you how we, 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 how we can prosper. Amen. I will tell us how we prosper financially. But the way to prospering, right, in this kingdom is not by giving offering in church. Hallelujah. So if the offering you brought in your pocket today is so that God will multiply money in your pocket, I want you to have a change of mind. Right? That in this kingdom, that is not how it works. I can tell you that the richest people in this world, they don't give in church. Do you agree? They are not even born again. Hallelujah. They are not the, the, the richest men on fourth list are not givers to church. Hallelujah. So, where am I? Verse 12. For the administration of this service is not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many times given to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. Verse 14. And their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for he is for his indescribable gift. Hallelujah. To tell this truth to this generation takes boldness. Amen. It takes boldness to communicate this understanding to us. So it doesn't mean that you shouldn't give. But if your reason for giving is not right, right? It's not a giving that will glorify God. Hallelujah. So we must know why we should give. So that our giving will be a giving that will result to this. First of all, what will it result to? Number one, meeting the needs of the saints. That is a blessing in giving. You are meeting the needs of the saints. The needs of the believers are met as a result of the giving that you give. That should be what should give you joy. That should be the reason for your giving. That you are able to meet the needs of another believer. Hallelujah. Secondly, what do we see there? Thanksgiving to God. Worship to God. As a result of your giving, they receive and they worship God for giving. Amen. Last week I said that our needs, God supply our needs but through men. Did I say that last week? That everything you ever need, whatever prayer you pray, the answer will come but through men. So when you receive true men, what, do, what happens? Worship is given to God. Praise is, is given to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three. It shows a proof of loyalty to the gospel. It proves subjection that is agreeing to the gospel. Because the gospel is a gospel of giving. Amen? The gospel is what? It's a gospel of giving. And then lastly, verse, we see in that same verse, those verses, we see prayers to the believer. Amen? You give, right? They receive and they pray for them. 
They remember them in their prayers for giving. The blessings must, may come upon them. And that blessings what, are spiritual blessings. That they will walk in the spiritual blessings. That they will walk in the reality of the blessings of God that is already in them manifesting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So he who sows so sparingly will reap what? Sparingly. And what do we say is this sparingly? Okay. 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 Selfishness, right? It will result to a self it will result to selfishness. Yeah? The drawback of the heart. And he who sows bountifully, what is bountifully? Worthy of praise to who? To God. Right? You are sowing worthy of praise to God. What will it result? It will result to praise to God. Worthy, it will result to an elegy to God. Hallelujah. So we see that God is able to supply all sufficiency, all the ability that you will give bountifully. The ability that you will give what? You will give bountifully, cheerfully. You will give joyfully. The attitude of giving is that attitude of what? Of joy, of gladness of heart. So wherever you give and you are compelled to give, that's not, a, that's not godly giving. You are tricked to giving. That I have to tell you, you give so that God will bless you before you give. That is, that is deceit. Amen. That is not gracious giving. That is deceitful giving. Because that is not the way God gave us. Hallelujah. So we don't give that way. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are we happy? is a blessing. When we so bountifully, we reap praise worthy of our giving to God. We reap praise and thanksgiving from others to God. This is the blessing of giving and not material wealth. Therefore, giving to receive blessings from God is not just a wrong teaching, but a distortion to the true concept of biblical giving. For example, now in Acts chapter 8, let's look at Acts chapter 8 verse 14 to 24. Quickly, give me Acts chapter 8. Eight, verses 14. We see a situation, a scenario here. Where the gospel was preached to these people and then the apostles were sent to, uh, to pray and lay hands on them to receive the gifts of the Spirit, to receive the baptism of the Spirit. Now when the apostles who were in, at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who when they heard come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Underline the word, they might receive the Holy Spirit. Right? For as yet he had not fallen upon, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon, who is Simon? Simon is one of the converts. I don't know whether he, he was truly converted anyway, but he was a magician. Do you know what he was doing? He was performing miracles. He was shining. He was the most, he was the most powerful, the most famous magician. And people were thinking, if you read the previous verse, they, think they, 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 they look at what he's doing and they say, ah, God is at work in this man. They believe Simon, thinking that what he's doing is God. And there are many magicians today on our pulpits. And if you're not careful to discern, you may be listening to a magician and walking <laughs> under the instruction of a magician. Hallelujah. But when Simon saw that the, through the laying of the hands, the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given Something that he never had. Amen. Something that is magic could not open people to receive. Something he saw something greater. So this is not signs and wonders he was performing them. Hallelujah. 
Jesus was not performing miracles of turning water into wine. He was doing them. So anybody that has a power can do those things. But when he saw something special, something gracious, he, what? he offered them money. This power, I want it. I want to walk in this dimension. Amen? And many of us, I want to walk in this dimension of gifts. So I'll, I'll, I'll sow a seed. I'll fast and pray so that God will give me this dimension. Those things are good. Giving is good. We are not condemning giving. If you are smart, you know I'm not condemning giving. Hallelujah. We are teaching this to the, to the end that you will give properly. Cheerfully. Not stingily. Amen. Not sparingly, but cheerfully. Amen. So, he, what? he offered money to the church. Saying, give me this power also. That anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Ghost. And look at what result to that act. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. You and your money fall down and die. Your money perish with you. Because you thought, look at the mind. You thought that the gift of God, hallelujah, the what? The gift of God. You think that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Are you that dumb? Are you that stupid? Are you that crazy? See, any dimension you need is a gift. Amen? Any experience you've ever want to have in the, in the things of God is a gift. So it cannot be purchased with money. Amen? It's giving graciously without finding fault. Are you born again? Are you born again? You can walk in that dimension. Hallelujah. You must come to this realization. You must come to this understanding that things of the Spirit are a gift. A gift means you didn't pay. It, a gift means you didn't work for it. Hallelujah. It's a gift from God. He was thinking it could be purchased with money. The next verse. Verse 21. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. See, in this conversation, forget about it. You've missed it. That's what he's saying. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. If you are given is to receive from God, that means that your heart is not right in this matter. Hallelujah. Verse 21. Repent, therefore, this is to somebody here, of your wickedness. Because, you see, giving to receive is wickedness. Right? It's iniquity. I didn't say it. See it here. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness. How can you think that the things of God should be purchased with money? So what is the hope of those who have turned the gospel into merchandise? That is wickedness. And pray God if perhaps, I don't want to explain this, thought of your heart may be forgiving you. Verse 21, 22, 23 rather. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and, and bound by what? Iniquity. Amen? Verse 24. Yes. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. Functioning in the dimension of God's power or spiritual gifts is not by sowing seed of money. The Bible calls it spiritual gift, meaning it is a gift from the spirit for the believer. You don't work or pay for it. Hallelujah. It means it's a gift. That is why it's called spiritual gift. Charis. Amen. 
a gift that is unconditional to all of us. So we don't get rich by giving. Hallelujah. We don't get rich by giving. How do we get rich? A scripture which is always used. Isaac swore in the land. Amen. And he what? And he reaped. Let's look at that text. Genesis chapter 26 verse 12 to 14. Sowing in the land was not giving offering to the church, my brothers and sisters. Amen? I know I'm going harder today, but bear with me. Sowing in the land is not giving offering to the church. Then Isaac swore in that land. He, what did he do? He, that is agriculture. What did he do? He saw seed in the land. He planted and he reaped in the same year, that means the season of he sowed, that means he tilled the ground. He did agriculture, right? He reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The next verse. The man began to prosper. Why did he prosper? Because he sowed. And he reaped. Amen? And continued prospering until he became prosperous. There's a translation that talks about he became rich, and then he became wealthy. I don't know which translation I saw. Okay, but let's read verse 14. It says, he had possessions of flocks and possessions of the hearts and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. So my brothers and sisters, what did he saw? He saw crops. He did agriculture. It's not given to the church. That made him wealthy. Wealth is not a miracle. Amen. So, those of you looking for miracle money, the day you get it, come and tell me. So, wealth is not a miracle. Hallelujah. It is a product of man's work. Either positive work or negative work. Hallelujah. Either dishonest work or honest work. Wealth is by human endeavor. Or at least you inherit it from someone that as work and then he gave you. Hallelujah. So it's not by giving to God to get wealth from God. It's by what? What God gives. The Bible says that he gives the power to do what? To create wealth. He gives you power. That means he gives you ability to create wealth. That means that wealth should be created. That means that wealth can be created. Amen? It means that you, you have the ability to create wealth. God does not give you wealth. He gives you the ability to create wealth. That means I mean material wealth. Hallelujah. People will become rich by industry and not through giving to church. Therefore, any gospel that emphasizes material wealth is a fake gospel. So the blessings of Abraham we saw, Pastor Victor taught us here, that the blessing of Abraham is not what? It's not money. It's Christ. Hallelujah. I don't want us to go back to this. He became rich. Abraham became rich by industry or at least by banditry on a lighter note how he goes to fight he captures a place and he packed their wealth he became rich so if that kind of riches you are looking for riches of Abraham then there's problem hallelujah hallelujah so how do you become wealthy in this kingdom by work say work I will work and I will make money I will work honestly and I will make money I've been, I've been given the ability, I have the ability to create wealth. 
I have the mind of I have the mind to create wealth. The spirit gives me the ability to create wealth. Hallelujah. Please don't stone me outside. To conclude this matter, next week we'll go deeper. Hallelujah. A Christian, as Christians, we give cheerfully. Amen? Liberally. Cheerfully means joyfully. Not by compulsion. Not by, ah, it's time to give again. We give cheerfully, liberally, not as a condition to receive something from men or from God but to meet the need of others as an act of worship and obedience to the gospel. We do not give by emotional compulsion or what, or grudgingly or miserly, but joyfully. We don't give stingily, right? How much is the price of kebab? Eh? The cheapest kebab you can eat in Levkosha. 60, 65. Okay. You can easily eat five kebabs in a week, isn't it? In a week. Some of you, that's what you do. Right? Or you order pizza. The cheapest pizza is how much? Eh? But the offering is 5TL. Amen? Is that a cheerful giving? Is that a... <laughs> It means that it's proper with your giving. I'm not attacking anybody here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen. An understanding of what Christ has done should influence your giving. Hallelujah. Your giving must be given based on the ability of what you have. Amen. So your giving must reflect your standard or your level of income. Hallelujah. We'll talk more about that next week. I must never give with my needs in mind. Right? That I'm giving to this brother so that tomorrow he will help me. That is not Christian giving. That is a transaction. That is, that is an investment you are doing. That is banking you're doing. That is not, that's not Christian giving. That is not gracious giving. Is that the kind of giving God gave us? No. So when you're giving, your intention is to meet his needs. Not that you are giving with the, you see, I'm giving so that tomorrow, who, who knows tomorrow? Who knows who will help you tomorrow? Oh, the statement, give us never lack. You will give and you will lack. If you give, is there no money that left your pocket? Is there money there? Have you not given out? Hallelujah. So, give with an understanding. The giving you give is with the intention of meeting the need. That is love in expression. Amen. That is, that is the character of God in expression in you. Give so that needs will be met. Because if you give with the intention of your own needs met, that is covetousness. That is not godly giving. Christian giving is not a transaction. It is actually walking in the spirit. Giving is a spiritual act. 
So that's why you must be give. You must give as the Spirit will lead you. Amen. If your income, hmm, with your income and all the expenses you make, and giving is so, your giving is is cannot be compared to the level of. That means giving is not a priority in your life. Therefore, we must allow the Spirit of God to inspire us to give. That is why when we come here, we don't, we don't give you promises. We don't attach promises to your giving here. Hallelujah. So we give because the work of God must, must prosper. Giving is actually working in the spirit. Giving, do you know what giving does? It breaks the yoke of covetousness from our lives. It breaks, it loosens up the power of covetousness. It means that your heart is not tied to what you have. It means that, you know, your possession does not possess you. Amen? The wealth, the money you have is a tool. It's not the driver of your life. I, I made a statement last week. I said, if the presence and the absence of money in your pocket controls your behavior, then you have a problem. You don't have money in your pocket, you can do anything to get it. You have money in your pocket, you become so proud that means that there's a, you have a wrong understanding of money. Money is a tool that should not control you, but it's a tool that you should control to achieve a, a, an aim. On a finality, your giving will reflect your level of understanding of the love of God. Hallelujah. Your giving we showcase your understanding your understanding of the love of God time will, wouldn't permit me we would have looked at examples of people who gave in scriptures we see practical examples of people who gave remember that story where Jesus came to the temple and he saw people were giving right in the church giving large sums of money, dumping the offering box, and they're walking so proud and so elegant. And then there was a woman, widow's might, and she dropped it. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do you think gave the greatest gift here? Oh, come on, can't you see that rich man? That man that bought car to the church, that man that did that, that man that did this project. And Jesus Christ said, no, 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 no. You see that woman? They gave from the abundance of what they have. They gave from plenty, but her out of nothing she gave. She is the one that gave the most. So here he's not talking about the quantity of your giving, but he's talking about the condition of your heart. Do you give so that people will notice you that you gave? Do you give so that you go and tell people, I'm the one that gave her, I'm the one, this shoe. I saw a post on social media. You know, a lady bought a shoe for her friend. And whenever this lady snap picture, she put it on the status. The lady will go and comment, ah, it's a shoe for me. <laughs> Every time she wears a new cloth and then she posts, the lady will say, it's, it's a shoe for me. Then the lady now reply, are you trying to whine me because you bought the shoe? Hallelujah. But our intention of giving is not that we mock people that we give to them. That is not love. Right? Generosity is the foundation to which we give. And the love of God should be our motivation to give to whoever we give, either to the church, either to people. Hallelujah. May God bless us.